are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live, Toaster360. He is Steve, Xbox Live, Steveovich, and we're riding off into the sunset today in episode 110, February 22nd, 2019. Our main topic of the day today is something that I have been personally looking forward to for a long time. A long time. And I am very happy to say that we will be talking about the Red Dead Redemption 2 spoiler cast as Steve has finally beaten the game, getting through both chapters of the epilogue. So if you have not beaten the game or if, uh, you know, run away. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you may not want to listen through at least uh, past our howdy-doody time just because uh, we will be going into spoiler territory, talking about the game. The game has been out for some time now, so I imagine that a lot of the hardcore fans out there who love Red Dead Redemption will probably have already beaten it. So, uh, but no, I, I have been looking forward to this for some time. So, um, as a result, I am anticipating that we will be have uh, quite a bit to say, hmm. quite a bit to banter about. Indeed. So we're not going to be uh, doing some of the, the, the typical things that we do on the show. Well, that's all right. We'll just uh, we'll focus on something that we had already claimed as the game of the year of 2018. But we'll get to that in just a bit. Steve? Yeah. I, as always, <laughs> am just Twitter paid to see. Nah. I have nothing to do with Twitter, of course. I. No, no. No. You can retweet my Twitter patient if you like. <laughs> Russ? Yes. The, these weeks are flying by. They are flying by. Actually, it's, it's crazy to look at how February is just about spent. It is just about spin. And people hear this, it'll be even that much further spent. That's right. Actually, <laughs> by the time people listen to it, it will be my wife's birthday. Oh, all the listeners have to give Russ's wife yeah. a cordial happy birthday. Absolutely. I mean, we're kind of in that, that birthday territory with your birthday, which is just passed, and then her mm-hmm. birthday, and then my birthday is coming up mm-hmm. after that. Birthdays just keep on rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them birthdays rolling. <laughs> Roll high. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so have you been playing anything or watching anything lately? Let's see, Russ. Well, I finished, finally finished uh, all of season one of Homeland. Okay. So that was it. That's that's not that's that's good. I'll have to continue that one. See how far the rabbit hole goes. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, and of course, I made it a point to continue playing Red Dead until I beat the game. Thank God. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And then, I, you know what? I got, you know what? I, I, I got sent from Netflix. I forgot I put this on the list. I Uh-oh. thought I had already seen it. Maybe I have. All Quiet on the Western Front. Ah, I don't even remember putting that on the list, but apparently I did. Okay. I got it in the mail. I haven't watched it yet, though. I'll be up to next week. Interesting. You know what? No, Russ. I have a, I have a side story. 
Nothing to do with games. Not a front story. Nah. Not yeah. a backstory. Nah, more on the diagonal. Oh. So I was going to the supermarket the other day, and I haven't I haven't bought Girl Scout cookies in the longest time. Oh. I think all the Girl Scouts are avoiding me like I, you know, I'm the mean bald guy or something. I was actually not aware that they're for sale at the supermarket. Are you talking well, about like, well, like I mean, they, in they, front? Yeah, in front okay, of the supermarket. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's pretty much the only place you have. I've ever found them is you know, when they have a little stand put up and whatever. Whatnot. I have found a new place to you, not to uh, really interject too badly into your story since you were just getting started. Amazon? <clears throat> no, the workplace. The workplace. <laughs> because there are tons of mothers and fathers that have daughters, and they will go by my desk, and I look at them, and... <laughs> you see her walking across the hall. No! Before you leave, stop by my desk. I'm yeah. I'm known at the office as one of those people who just like yes, I will buy a ton of Girl Scout cookies. Man. And both my wife and I have different cookies that are, are like our absolute favorite from them. Right. So I'll end up buying like each of us like three boxes of like our well. favorites. Anyway, continue. So they're out there, and they go, "Excuse me." Sir, would you like to buy some cookies? Mm-hmm. And so I said, yeah, yeah. Well, those lucky guys got any thin mints, nor peanut butters, no Samoas. Yeah, you know, they're all please, sir. And I went, you know, I'll go there and buy some cookies. So they said, well, we support the troops. And I go to a good cause. And I'm like, ugh. I I never see girls cookies. Okay, I'll, I'll buy a couple boxes. Well, they end up pushing me to buy four boxes. <laughs> so I bought like the lemon, like smiley, whatever oh, they're yeah. called, which are not bad. Mm-hmm. They're not that sweet, which is fine. I don't want to be sweet. And then I bought the peanut butter ones, not the chocolate peanut butter ones, mm. but they're like the peanut butter with like the, uh, the regular crust like, biscuit. You know, you can, I don't know. I don't are are they kind of more of the thicker cookie? Yeah, it's a thicker cookie. There's no chocolate. Uh, is the box kind of a reddish color? It's like an orangey color. Yeah. Of. Yeah. If so it's I, the, what I'm thinking of, those so are my favorites. Yeah, those are those are pretty good. So I left with four boxes, two of the lemons, two of the peanut butters. And I'm like, okay, and I supported the Girl Scouts. All right, I'm, giving, I'm a good guy. I supported sure. the Girl Scouts. And I, I said, how come you guys are never where I am shopping? So I said, well, they, you know, I'm sorry about that, blah, blah, blah. We're done for, this is, that, this is it. This is all the Girl Scouts. Oh, okay, whatever. So the next day, I thought, man, I got to get some coffee creamer. I got to do something. You know, I forgot to get that the other day. So I go by. There's a brand new Girl Scout stand <laughs> sitting right up. And I went, hey. I'm like, hey, sir, would you like to buy? I'm like, you guys, we're on, you know. And they're like, that was the other troop. We're a different troop. And I went, oh. <laughs> you know what? And I went, oh, you guys got thin mints. And like, we had one box. I'm like, that's mine. And you got Samoas. <laughs> and you got the chocolate peanut butter. Some other guy like goes for it. You smack him. Yeah, really. <laughs> mine. <laughs> you have a nice day. No. <laughs> so I ended up buying three more boxes of wow. Scout cookies. So I bought seven in total. I'm impressed. <sighs> See, I thought that my whole like six box purchase was yeah not too shabby. Yeah. But, uh, seven, you outdid me. One up, yeah. That's right. So anyway, oh, you know what? I'm sorry, Russ. You know what I gotta do? Mm. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta vent here. Oh, oh. So air conditioning vent or yeah. uh, natural air? A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. My natural air conditioning directed in uh, your direction. So it's a lot of hot air. Yes, <laughs> not a lot cool air. <laughs> Cool hot air. 
It's like the vent when you turn on your car and then you run over a skunk and then all those. Yeah, never mind. Mm. Anyway, so I uploaded the, or I downloaded the new iOS, right? The latest, you know, 12.1.5.Q.350. Sure. So I think Apple's got to fix a bunch of stuff on the phone. It made it worse. Now, this is the one that is after the one that they talk about how, like, they, they coined it as, like, eat your vegetables, where, like, it was supposed to improve the, the speed and performance of the phone, right? Well, 12 was supposed to, for the older models, 12 altogether, was supposed to do a lot of good things for the phone, and it did, but it came at a cost. So basically what happens is, yes, the phone does move a lot faster, but it drained the battery like you wouldn't believe in our us. <laughs> and so- You can like see your battery animation going, like, yeah. hey, wait a minute, <laughs> SOS. Like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So- but Frame the, rate on that's amazing. It's the funniest thing because the battery will, will drain down very fast all the way to 1% and then it'll stay 1% for like 20 minutes. It's crazy. I, Weird. It's like this false battery like rate. And then I'll go charge it and charging it from like zero, like 1% back to 60 mm-hmm. takes about 10, 15 minutes. To get from 60 to 100 takes like two hours. I'm not even kidding. Really? Yes. And so, what version of, of the iPhone are you? Success. Success. Oh, success. I've had numerous like crashes and shutdowns, restarts. Really? I admit, and the text message screen when I turn it to landscape, the whole thing like like the the field where you're supposed to type in a text message, the whole thing like disappears. Weird. Crazy. Like I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I, I'm pretty paranoid about <sighs> updating my OS, especially just after what went down with um, I can't remember which version of the phone I had, but it essentially just dragged it. It may have been the it, six plus. It, it, yeah, it was a 6 Plus, and then you got iOS 10 on it, and that's when all the problems right. really started to happen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my current XS is uh, is doing fine, it's, but I've also made it a point to, like, you know, that it's always harassing me. Hey, you want to update? Hey, you want to update? Hey, you want to update? I'm like, no, 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 no. Leave me alone. Stop asking me that question. Yeah, I know your tricks, throttle. Yeah. I got a game for you to play. It's called Full Throttle. You ever heard of it, Apple? <laughs> yeah. So it kind of makes me nervous because I want to get the 7 because I just want a better, I just want a small upgrade. But I feel if I'm going to get the 7, I'm, then I'm, you might as well get the 8. I'm, I'm, well, I'm worried that I'm going to have the same problems. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I do think the, the 6 and the 6S are pretty old now. I mean, I, the 6 Plus, I think I bought back in 2014. Hmm. So it's, Probably five years old now, four to five years old. I mean, that's that's kind of you know a generation cycle in the tech world. You know, you might want to get something a little newer there, Steve. Yeah, I think I can still get a hundred bucks for it, so maybe I might just turn it in. You have to let me know how that goes. <laughs> What about you, Russ? What have you been watching? What have you been playing? I actually watched Mad Max Fury Road again. Oh, did you? I did. I saw that in theater. I did as well. You may have seen it with me in the theater. I did not. Well, allow me to retract (laughs) that statement. No, but we, uh, we meaning, well, I thought I saw it with you, but maybe I saw it with Leslie. I don't know. Interesting. 
Um, but no, I, I have always really enjoyed that film. It's one of those movies where like, if I've just had kind of a, a weird funky kind of day and I, I don't have the energy to play a game, I just want to watch something. I want to watch something that's just kind of off kilter a bit. I just like watching that movie. It's just, it's fun to watch vehicle or combat and, uh, playing guitars in the middle of the desert. Absolutely. Yeah. The visuals are very unique. And, uh, of course, Tom Hardy's in it. Gotta love Tom Hardy. Charlize Theron is in it. Did I ever tell you the story about when I was at San Diego Comic-Con and I actually won the raffle to get a signing from Mad Max Fury Road? Yes. I did. Okay. Yeah. I will tell the listeners then that um, I can't remember what year it came out, but I was really excited to have won the poster because... um, you know, typically when you, when you have this happen at like the Warner Brothers booth or the Fox booth, whoever is um, doing signings, it's great because you can um, kind of hobnob briefly with various celebrities. And so I was really looking forward to meeting Tom Hardy, meeting Charlize Theron. Neither one of them showed up to the <laughs> signing. Um George Martin, who was the the director, was there. He was the only one to show up, which is still super cool because, I mean, the dude is like a legendary director. And uh, so it was still fun to be able to have him sign the the, the Mad Max Fury, Fury Road poster. Wow, kind of the furry road. Yeah, the the, the furry road. <laughs> That's like Brady G version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, it was a lot of fun to be able to meet him briefly and and uh, get a poster out of the deal. And especially, be, I hadn't seen the movie yet when I went and uh, did this whole thing at Comic Con. So after I had, had the poster and I went and saw the movie, I was like, oh man, this is great. I'm glad I got this little memento. So pretty sweet. So I watched that again. Again, just it's it's just as fun and edgy and cool as it was the last several times. I think I've watched that movie at least five times now, uh, but definitely a lot of fun. Anthem, of course, got released today. Technically speaking, it was released, I believe, on February 15th to a lot of the, the EA Origin Access members. So if you pay them, I think it's like $25 a year or, or something to that effect, you get early access to the game. I don't have that, <clears throat> but not a big deal to me. Um, and so I was able to play a little bit of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. A little bit of the old flemish. Usually that's yours, little dealio. Yeah, I gave mine to you. Yeah, you know? yeah thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Here, have some phlegm. <laughs> Not to be mistaken with flan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I was able to play about 30 minutes of the game, just the intro portion of it. And my daughter ends up walking in. And so she's sitting down. She's watching. Talk about. Oh, no. Some, j- just having to answer a thousand questions. Mm. I mean, the cool thing was that she was really into it. Like she sat down on the couch next to me and she's watching me play. But I mean, it is literally one question after the next of just, what are you wearing, daddy? What is that, daddy? What's that called, daddy? Well, what kind of creature is that, daddy? Oh, daddy, you're not going to die, are you, daddy? Like just just all these questions. (laughs) You're not going to die. I mean, she, at one point I had these like, like alien scorpion things all rushing me and she got pretty nervous. I was kind of thinking, I'm not sure you're supposed to be uh, watching this game. But luckily, like, like there wasn't anything like overtly horrible. Like it wasn't like Resident Evil or anything like that that, that uh, was on display. But I literally could not focus on the game because I was having to answer like every single solitary question that she had, which I was kind of... I don't know. I was conflicted in a way because on the one hand, I, th- I thought it was totally awesome that she 
was engaged with the game. She was very interested. She like like sitting next to daddy and she wants to know what's going on. But at the same time, this is a game I've been looking forward to playing for some time. And so to like constantly be distracted and not know what the heck is going on in the game because I'm too busy answering my, my daughter's very uh, inquiring questions. Um, yeah, I, di- I didn't really get too far. So that I ended up uh, stopping that and uh, we went and did something else. But it was fun to be able to get into it. I am very happy to report to you. Stupid. Yeah. That the load times are super fast now. Oh. Yeah. And well, thank goodness. Well, I don't know if you knew about this, but BioWare, I think it was either today or yesterday, they had some massive drop of like a bunch of patch updates. Hmm. And part of that had to do with um, just Im- improving the load times. Because, of course, that was one of the big complaints everybody had was just every time you had a load screen, you had to wait i mean it kind of a it wasn't like an like an inordinate amount of time but i mean it was noticeable where you're like okay kind of being pulled out of the gameplay experience and especially considering the fact that we've had games like god of war that has completely done away with load screens altogether right. and, and that game has just high fidelity all over the place so so it's not like it's some yesteryear graphics engine so I don't know. I, I think moving forward, like with all with a bunch of new games, I'm going to have more and more of an expectation uh, of that sort of thing. Plus, too, even with um, Red Dead Redemption, you know, you have your initial loading screen. And then after that, I mean, you can pretty much travel anywhere in the world. I mean, really, the only time you would have another loading screen in Red Dead is if you fast travel. Right. Or if it switched chapters or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you come to the end of the chapter, which is nice. I mean, it, it's it's almost like by design. That's like, yeah, you want to show a title card and that sort of thing. But um, no, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what else this game has in store. I have heard some troubling news, though, just from people who have been playing it early on. They have been talking about um, how they don't feel like there's much of a story to the game, which, I mean, that's been kind of a concern that you and I have addressed <laughs> right. in the past where we're like, hey, this is a beautiful looking game. It's a lot of fun, but we just don't really know what the story is. Very cool. What are we doing here? <laughs> so I'm from, I'm very much looking forward to playing more of the game. I'm very much looking forward to being able to play with you and Big Baby Moose as we do a, kind of a, a team adventure and see how all that plays out. But, um, of course, earlier in the week, we were twitching. You were making it farther in Resident Evil 2 as Leon. And, yeah, it took a bit of a a turn of sorts where, like, you kind of temporarily stopped playing as Leon to play a different character, and that was kind of surprising, so. um, Yeah, surprising. Yeah, I got my... (laughs) <laughs> butt munched on quite a few times, <laughs> to say the least. I feel like I need to look back at some of the, like, I'm sure somebody has posted on YouTube some kind of video that kind of at, at a high level goes through just the, a cliff note version of what went down in the original Resident Evil 2 because some of the characters that we've come across in this game, I don't remember in the in the original, I mean, you you're more of the the hardcore Resident Evil fan, and so I, I mean, I remember there being other additional characters in the game. Like you weren't just your character you were playing throughout the whole thing. There was other people you ran into. I mean, I remember like there was like that one, I don't know, blonde haired dude with the sunglasses. Like oh, that's Wesker. Wesker. Oh, hey, he's yeah. the bad guy. Okay, yeah, I remember him, but I don't remember. You don't play as him. No, 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 no. 
and and also in terms of playing other characters, like I don't recall you doing that. Like at the very most, I remember in the original Resident Evil Two, like for instance, like you could choose either Claire or Leon, and then they would have different weapons, or they or some of the the um, the paths that were available to you with one character was not available for the other one. But I don't remember like ever taking a breather from them and playing as another character altogether. That might be something that's exclusive to this particular release. Yeah. Not, no, actually I, I do remember playing as the other characters. I, sometimes you do that through with resident evils, not definitely not the first one, but I remember doing it in the second one. Cause I remember thinking like, what am I, how am I going to defend myself playing this character who was, you know, defenseless, <laughs> for example, he, he just got to, you know, avoid whatever you can avoid and, you know, find a switch or raise a, you know, something to walk. I don't know. Sure. Do whatever task you got to do to, to progress. Well, anyway, uh, the one other thing too, that was really, really cool was, so we've been slowly, but surely uh, purchasing the, the various types of video gear and equipment that will allow us to make the jump to video for Joygasm. And so I've been able to purchase two of the three cameras that we need to get but I realized with one of the cameras that the battery door was not closing. In fact, when I opened up the box just to check out the camera and make sure everything was good to go, I noticed that the door was open. It was it was just sitting there ajar, and I was like, huh. All right, well, maybe they just didn't, you know, maybe they didn't close it when they packed it or something. And so I took it out and realized that you know I could close the battery door, but then as I would lift the camera up and hold it, or maybe I'd squeeze the handle or something, it would pop back open again. I was thinking, oh, weird. So I looked online and sure enough, actually there are um, a, a certain amount of folks who have purchased the same camera. And for us, we we have used, um, we, we decided to go with the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera 4Ks that have been released recently. And there have been some other folks who have experienced the same problem. Luckily, the company has actually been very quick to respond to folks who have an issue. And what I ended up doing was I shot them an email and also gave them a call and left them a message and just let them know what's going on. And what was super cool was they didn't like ask me a hundred, like a hundred questions. They, they didn't have any kind of problem whatsoever. They just sent me an email, said, no problem. We've got another one on the way. And I received it today. Nice. So I, I swapped out the, the battery doors and the, the new one works like a charm. So my, uh, my hat is tipped in that company's direction. Very much appreciating, uh, of, of just how punctual they are. Um, I don't know if it's appreciating or appreciative, probably appreciative. Probably more of a correct way of saying it. Yeah, I would say so. But needless to say, we will be buying yet another camera from them because we need to have three total. And it's, I don't know, it's just nice to, to see that when you when you see a company that really cares about making sure that their customers are satisfied with their products. Customer service is a lost art, Russ. <laughs> Not anymore, it's not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chaps and whistle for your Arabian. It's time for the topic of the day.
topic of the day is Red Dead Redemption 2 spoiler review. So once again, this has been a long time coming, but we will be talking about our feelings slash experiences slash overall review of the game Red Dead Revenge. Revenge? Red Dead Redemption <laughs> 2. So if you haven't beaten the game, I would not... And in fact, I would say we would not recommend you go any farther because we definitely don't want to spoil anything for you in particular. But if you have beaten the game, or if you just don't care, well, you, know, you just keep on listening to this portion of the show. <sighs> Steve, allow me yeah. to congratulate you like on finally beating the game. First question for you. Is it still your pick for 2018's Game of the Year? With all my heart, yes. Mm. <laughs> it's magic to my ears. Magic. Yeah. To my ears. Yeah, uh, and you know, I I haven't even done everything there is to do in the game. I literally just started to, to finish it because you wanted to talk about it. Absolutely. So there is stuff that I know you can still do. Right. And I'll probably do on my second go around of the game, but... I haven't done it this time. Yeah, and and I still have quite a bit that I need to take care of as well, just in terms of all the different side quests. So I'm, but what was nice was that like like I was just binge playing RDR two for the longest time, and when I finally got to a stopping point, I was like, you know, I'm I'm at a point where like I want to just be able to like absorb what has happened and just just put it down for a bit. And I was actually talking to a friend earlier today about how I feel as though enough time has passed where like I'm, I'm ready to pick it up and start to, to have fun with all the other little side quest stuff that I haven't gotten to yet. And he was actually um, still playing the game. He is going hardcore. He's trying to get 100% completion for the <laughs> game. He is currently at 98%. Where, where did you leave off? I think I'm like around 89 or 90%. Yeah, I think well, that's where I'm at. I think I'm at 86.7%. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there is so much in this game. I don't even know really where to begin with this whole thing. But um, I know for the longest time while we were playing the game, we were very respectful of making sure that neither one of us were to spoil anything for the other. And I think that, that at least for a little while there, we were kind of leapfrogging a bit. And then... I think I started to just really play it a whole lot, and then I finished the game before you. So, um, yeah, where do you want to start? Start with the music. The music? Yes. Okay. It's been on my mind, Russ. I'm sure it has, especially toward the end there. Yeah, no, when it, when it finally turns like that halfway point, well, maybe a little bit more than halfway, but you know something's up, it it uh, you know th this might be a game that I'm I'll actually go out and buy the soundtrack to. Mm. I haven't bought. I don't think I've. What was the last game I bought? A, I think it was a. What, it wasn't Final Fantasy, but it was there was a SquareSoft RPG. Oh, I forgot what it was. It was a long time ago, but I had I, I I think I got it off Napster actually. Nice. <laughs> uh, anyway, that that shows how old <laughs> Steve is. Back in the Napster days, I'm like, oh, I can get this. Awesome. <laughs> is this stealing? <laughs> oh, I mean, he has it and she has it. <laughs> I don't know. It's not stealing; it's sharing. Okay, I'm sharing sharing a caring. digital copy. <laughs> It's not real. I don't have the album cover. <laughs> yeah, 
which is really funny because like nowadays it's like becoming a, a dinosaur. There are no more album covers that are physical. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, I mean the, the second half of the game, there's a ton more music than there is the first part of the game. That's not to say that the first part of the, of the game's music was bad by any sort of means. Cause that's not true. Mm. However, as you're playing the game and you're deciding to do whatever you're going to do with robbing and killing and shooting and, you know, whatever and whatnot, when you finally get to when Arthur is diagnosed and he's thinking, I only have a little bit of time left to live. Suddenly when you're riding from point A to point B, wherever you're going, it, the music makes you reflect on how you've played the game. Right. And it's odd how it's like that. I mean, music, not only does the music just fit just the rhythmic, uh, you know, horse stuff, but, sure. but, 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 but it, um, I don't, it just makes you think maybe I should have played differently. You know, I have a ton of money that I didn't do anything with. What if I played differently and absolved everybody's debts instead of beating them up for, you know, a couple of pennies on the dollar sort of thing. Well, and I don't even know if you had that option early on. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall either. I know you had it after that point. Right. But um, anyway, it just got me. It makes you think as a player, mm, maybe I should have done stuff differently. It's odd how that worked, but it the music made me reflect as a player. Yeah. The music itself was beautiful. There, there were several tracks in there and I've um, just really enjoyed both the, the instrumental versions of, of the songs and also the, the songs that have lyrics to them. I feel like there's a nice balance between the two throughout the game and, and the, the places that they chose to have each one of those play, I thought was just a, a perfect scenario. But it's not only that, it's recorded very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds clear and it sounds spacious and it sounds warm. Well, I mean, and, and I think the style of it is very different too because it's not like, it's not country music. And it's not like classic, classic old Western style either. Well, I would say it is more indicative of like the spaghetti Westerns um, that had it's th those same type of, of sounds and, and instruments that, that are used. But I, I really did appreciate how they they really made it into their own. Like they, they had uh, their own kind of riff on, on the, the spaghetti Western kind of feel and the sound to it. Um, but like the just, you know, I, I think that that, that is um, that particular sound art it, you don't really hear very often. And so, especially in this day and age where everything is so technologically advanced and, and there's a lot of, like, the synthesizer sounds are coming back in, they're kind of in vogue again, I think it's it's actually a, a welcome addition to just what you're, you're accustomed to hearing. So, um, you know, the characters themselves, there were so many characters in this game. And it was, it was crazy to see how the relationships panned out with them. And of course, I think each player had certain characters that they gravitated more towards than others. I think that there are certain ones that are like universally beloved. Right. But it, I mean, it was, it was fascinating to me to see just how many characters were in the gang, how many characters you come across outside of the gang. Um, and then just just the, what transpired over the course of the story, and just just how the the different relationships unfolded, how certain ones became tighter, other ones had falling outs, that sort of thing. But which characters of yours were your favorite? Charles, 
Yeah, Charles I, is one of my favorites. I love Charles. Uh, I love Tilly. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I don't think there was enough of... Well, I might get in that a little bit later, but um, I don't think there was enough of um, a story for a lot of the characters. They were just kind of there at the home base. But I thought that they could maybe, if they wanted to, extend out more of their backstory. Or maybe they were going to release uh, a prequel to this prequel sort of thing where, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you meet all those people, who knows? But um, no, I, I I love Charles. I'd love there for there to be some DLC with Charles going up to Canada or wherever he goes to and maybe get involved in whatever he's doing. Like the voice actor for Charles did an amazing job. Charles as a character was, was great. I love listening to him at the campfire. Um, I mean, some of the characters I already kind of knew from the other game, like Bill and, yeah. and of course, John Marston. But it was it was funny because John Marston, since I already knew his voice and his character, I, I like John Marston, but yeah. he just didn't stand out. Of course, it's not his game toward, oh, at least the whole game. <laughs> at the end, yeah, it is his game. But um, <clears throat> he just didn't, he didn't stand out as much as all the other people did. Which I thought was interesting because he was the main character from the first game of, right. of Red Dead Redemption. And I think that, that that really speaks highly of the storytelling in the game, just because when the game was on the verge of coming out, I was unsure how I would feel about playing a character other than John Marston, right. just because I was used to playing John Marston from the first exactly. game. And so it's a strong testament to the, the storytellers of this game where John Marston, by and large, really did become more of a secondary character. Yeah, took a backseat. Yeah, I mean, it, it was still nice to have him there. But what was interesting was that for me, I absolutely adored Arthur. Oh, yeah. It amazing. was insane. And I think that um, I think Rockstar Games took a very big risk by having an unknown character all of a sudden take the the main character slot and push John Marston to the side just because everyone had played as John Marston and I believe just about everybody really enjoyed playing as John Marston. So kudos to them for taking a risk like that because it paid off in dividends. It's amazing how everyone I talk to who's played this game just loves Arthur. I mean, like, like they absolutely embodied just the, like that Western soul of a cowboy into Arthur. I mean, Arthur just, just is so the iconic cowboy. Well, not only that, but he's just like your man's man in a way, excuse me, where he treats everybody with respect and he, and with with dignity and yeah you you, you cross him you're going to get hurt sort of thing but he's he's he has a conscience about him you know he has this more some morals with him where it's like am i doing the right thing here and he's looking for constructive criticism from the group and from you know his only family and yes he wants love and yes he wants a family and wants to live his life but he also wants to do the right thing and that's like the the the, the the tug of war that he's having in his life. But Roger Clark owned the character that Rockstar yeah. was wanting to depict in the game. Absolutely. I, mean, I want to see more of Roger Clark's work altogether. Right. I, I didn't know who he was in the beginning, but I want to know everything that he's doing yeah. from here on out. Yeah. His, his performance was palpable in so many different ways on so many different levels. 
And, um, but, but I mean, just playing as Arthur going through the motions of it. I mean, I, uh, <coughs> excuse me. One of the things that I was curious about with the game was how was Arthur going to be phased out? Because obviously it's a prequel and John Marston is the, the main character that, that you, you take control of. And as you play through the game, you never run into Arthur. So clearly he's something has to happen. Right. And I do think that the the direction was absolutely perfect. I loved how you discover that all of a sudden he has tuberculosis. He gets sick. And you don't really see that in games. I mean, like like typically you'll have characters that get killed by other characters or they commit suicide or, or something to that effect. Like there's something way more just... They act as kind of like a go-to vehicle for like, oh, this is how the character met their demise. But you don't really see characters get sick right. in games. You do in movies, but not games. And so, I, I mean, I just absolutely loved how that just as a character arc. I mean, like, like I was thinking a certain way of playing Arthur up until that point. And then after I realized I have TB, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like this is this is like you know turn of the century they don't have a cure for this yeah i mean i was instantly thinking about like you know doc holiday from tombstone right so um definitely really just was floored by that decision loved it and of course as you play further into it you, you know you i was i was glad that they started to open up more of the benevolent options because if I had one thing about the game, like if I had something critical I had to say, it's just that by them having you play, you're essentially an anti-hero. You're playing more of a, an antagonist where like you're, you know, you're robbing people, um, you're, you're stealing from, from different businesses, you're shooting people, you know, there, there's just a lot of that going on. And, um, I found myself like, like when I wasn't playing the main story, when I was just on my own, that was like the sweet spot of the game. Cause I was just going wherever I wanted to go. I was doing whatever it is I wanted to do. And my moral compass, you know, my natural moral compass was just, you know, I'm just going about my business and doing whatever it is I'm doing. I'm, I'm not interested in murdering people or doing all this other right. uh, illegal activity. And so I found it difficult when I would continue the, the main part of the story and then all of a sudden it was like it was funneling my actions into, well, I need you to do this, this, and this. And then it forced you to have to do those things. And I felt like, man, like that's the one thing that I felt kind of pulled me out a bit from the experience was like, I, I want to be my own cowboy. I want to be able to make my own decisions and have the consequences reflect that. But being forced into these situations, I think it took that a little bit away. And, and we can talk more about that in a bit, but um some of the characters that I really liked, I in addition to Arthur, I mean, I just I cherished uh, Sadie Adler. Mm -hmm. You know, such a cool character. Love the setup of how when you're playing the game, you you are almost witness to how she becomes a widow, right? And how she's just tough as nails, but not in a, a patronizing way. Like like you you really develop a, a rapport with her. And uh, like I, I remember always really looking forward to going on these little side missions with her and just seeing what happens. 
but um, love the art direction of her too. I mean, she was just real beautiful. Her face just was was super realistic looking, and um, the, the even the voice talent too was it was it was interesting. The voice talent was not what I would have expected. Right. But again, that's a really good thing. Like, like there was, there was a lot of texture quality to her voice. And, uh, Lenny was another character. Yeah. Lenny was, was super cool. Really enjoyed being able to just kind of do the small talk with, with him. And, um, you know, I, I felt bad when, when he got killed as well. It's like, Oh no, you know, you, you, Oh, that sucked. That was a bad night. I'm like, you're going <laughs> to kill Lenny. I mean, I knew they're going to have to do it for the story because they're gonna have to slap you with some, some, uh, but yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Well, and of course, Hosea, I mean, Hosea yeah. was another one where I, I didn't feel as tight with him. Like I would say I was, um, I felt more of a bond with Lenny and with, uh, Charles. Right than I did with Hosea, but Hosea was kind of more of that neutral character where, you know, he wasn't bad. I didn't mind doing stuff uh, as opposed to Strauss, who Strauss was just a snake. Yeah. <laughs> I got to leave Strauss. Yeah. I mean, he, he was an interesting addition to the group, but um, I mean, there was nothing really with Strauss. He was just, yep, I'm the debt collector and I don't want to contribute anything else. Yeah. But I mean, j- just the, the method of, of, I really enjoyed how, Arthur kicked him out of the camp. Like yeah. he just got, I don't know if, if that was your choice yep. or not, but I felt so much better after just kicking him out and making him like a public spectacle of just how, I don't know. Like, like there's, there, there's, even though he's an anti-hero, Arthur still has certain zones that he doesn't want to go to anymore. Like, like it's, it's just not cool to do that kind of thing. So, um, now, Dutch, of course, was another character that, for me personally, like I found him interesting. I was always interested in seeing what what he was cooking up, right? But I found him annoying, and it was, and I, I found him uh, annoying pretty early on in the game, and I think it was one of those things where I just I really did not enjoy uh, taking orders from him, and I don't know where that comes from, and I don't know if that was intentional by the the storytellers. Um, and the, and the game designers of the game, but there was always like this kind of thing where I'm like, gosh, man, like he, he just, he's kind of getting on my nerves. Was yeah. that, was that the same way for you? Um, a little bit. I, I felt that he was being way too vague with what he wanted. And I started to question why is everyone being loyal to this guy? He's not letting anyone in on his ultimate plan. You know, he's kind of st- slowly drifting into chaos and in, in, in a sense. Uh, I mean, there was that scene where you first get to uh, St. De- uh, Saint Denis. Uh-huh. And you had to take out that, you know, their little mob boss or whatever. The Italian guy. The Italian dude. Yeah. And they're on that little boat, their little canoe. Right. And he says, I'll give you a thousand dollars to anybody who you know, kills this man. And everyone just looks at him with a plain stare like, no. You know, I thought, whoa, that was that's powerful right there. Even they at that point they were still questioning Dutch, but their loyalty was hard as nails. Um, but <laughs> anyhow, it didn't last. So, but yeah. <laughs> at that point, I was amazed that, that that Dutch was still willing to uh cast aside people like John and Arthur and question, you know, anyone who was not on his line in the sand. Well, you just, you realized how delusional he was. Right. And also you realize how selfish he is. That was one of the biggest things about it was like, you know, he, he was a very educated man. 
Um, and he used that, he wielded that to manipulate all the other members of the gang to be able to do his bidding. And at the end of the day, it's like all he wanted to do was be rich, but he ended up sacrificing all these people who were loyal to him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it it was just, it was was just crazy to, to, to see the downfall occur. Just, just, it's, it's like that long sizzling, slow erosion. And then all the way at the end though, he just walks away Mm -hmm. and John gets 20 G's. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, again, very spaghetti Western. Um, but yeah, there's so much to talk about with this. I, one of the things I also really loved during the second half of the game was the, the budding relationship between John and Arthur. You really didn't see that a whole lot in the first half of the game, but then really as things began to fall apart, you saw more and more of them hanging out together, talking about their current situation, that sort of thing. And you got to really see more of the, the passing of the torch. And I, I, for one, that was one of my favorite aspects to the story itself was like just seeing that bond take place to the point where, when Arthur's trying to, to get John out of harm's way and, and they're calling each other brother and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it, that, that was very heartfelt. And I, once again, I, I just, I really loved how they progressed Arthur's character to the point where you could see why all of a sudden you, you would take the reins of, of <laughs> it's fine to take the reins of, I was gonna say John Marston, but, um, but you, you know, you take control of John Marston so, um, gosh, yeah, there's just so much to talk about with this stuff. So what, what were your thoughts? Okay. So you get to the point where, where Arthur dies. Yeah. What, what was your, your reaction to that whole moment where like, you know, you, it was on with Micah, Micah was there and, and you had that, that last fisticuffs going on with him. Well, it was funny because I thought, I, I figured Arthur was going to try and spit on him. Right. Because that's how he, Arthur contracted tuberculosis sure. because he got spit in the face that dude he was beaten with the, the and there was some blood transfusion obviously I think he swallowed some I don't know yeah well he, when he was uh, trying to extort money out yeah, of someone right. like I think he punched him and like the blood splattered on his face something so I figured or he got coughed on I think yeah it was something anyway so I figured that you know Arthur is as as weak as he is. Uh, one of his <laughs> defenses would be, okay, you call me black lung and you caused this whole entire atrocity to happen. <laughs> I'm going to give you this disease. Yeah, I'm dead now, but I already know I was going to die and you're going to die with me. So, um, anyhow, it was, it, it was awesome. I, I thought there was going to be, I thought it was going to be a little bit longer. I thought something else was going to transpire, but, uh, I really didn't know what was going to happen between, Micah and Dutch mm. because I, yeah, I remember Dutch being in the first game, the original, you know, the original Red Dead sure. Redemption. And, you know, of course, you know, we all know what happened to him, but Micah wasn't in but there. Micah wasn't in there. So I think, ah, oh, is Micah just going to escape or you have to get him later or like, what, you know, what's going to happen? So, um, but that's another voice actor. You know that, you know, that voice actor has been getting like hate mail. Really? Yes. And he, people on Twitter have been just beating him up. I'm like, people, he did a great job. Like we, you know, we're hating on him because he's the villain we hate, but that's not his fault. You know I mean? It was just well scripted. Golly, give him a, give him a 
break. Oftentimes I have seen that even in movies too. Um, the guy who plays Walter Peck from Ghostbusters, he was the oh, environmentalist. Yeah. He has gone on to various talk shows like David Letterman and talk about how to, like just for years after that movie came out, if anyone saw him in the, on the street, they would heckle him and call him names and like throw stuff at him and stuff. And he's like, look, guys, I'm an actor. It's not real. I'm not that guy you see in the movie, but it's such a strong testament to those actors ability to, to forge a character that is so despicable. Didn't uh, the actor uh, who played Biff and back to the future say something the same. I'll, and Biff wasn't as hated as a, as a character as, Walter Peck, but yeah, I'm sure he, I think he probably did. Yeah. I think there was something there, but, but yeah, I mean like you have, you do have certain actors who are just so successful at making iconic antagonists and it just resonates with people. And it's just crazy how, I mean, people who watch movies or play games, I mean like you really do bond with these characters and and the bonding may not necessarily be a positive bonding, but something that like it stays with you. And so when, when you come across these people in real life, then all of a sudden it drums up those same emotional responses, which is just crazy. <laughs> you meet the actor in real life. You're like, ah, nice to meet you. You're going to backstab me if I turn my back on you or what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even, even on like a, a, a kind of a different note, Hulk Hogan um, has talked about how like he'll be out. He's not, you know, in the ring or anything. He's out on the street doing whatever. And there are people who will like try and, and uh, charge him <laughs> because he's a wrestler. And like, you know, most of the time people, you know, they'll start far from far away and they'll start running and they're like, oh, I'm going to totally like, you know, jump on his back or something. And then they realize how big the dude is like when they get right up on him because he's a big dude. Oh, yeah. And, um, so he has to constantly combat that too, where like, you know, he diffuses it and he's real smooth about it, that sort of thing. But still it's, it's just crazy. Like how, I don't know, entertainers have a psychological impact on, on, uh, their audience, but Hulk Hogan, by the way, needs to come out with his own line of easily terrible tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there was something like that in the past, oh, boy. but, um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was actually um, the passing of the torch from Arthur to John. So what, what, I, what I thought was also uh, just crazy was like how you go from playing as Arthur to then all of a sudden playing as John. And that was such a jarring experience for me to be, to have that transition occur because at that point I was all about Arthur. I was, right. on, I was on the Arthur train. I really just, I was mourning the loss of Arthur and to play as John on all of a sudden I felt just weird. I'm like, why am I playing as John? And it, I don't know, like, like once again, it really spoke highly of just how much I loved playing Arthur. Well, I think also too, because John is looked at almost like a, I don't want, I don't want to say like the loser of the group, but he's definitely not nearly as popular as some pretty much everybody else. And so you're Arthur. Everyone loves Arthur. Everyone looks up to Arthur. Arthur's like the new leader and the father figure almost to everybody. And you go out on little side quests with you know, everybody else. And then so 
you're basically taking control of a side quest character. And it doesn't feel as cool nor as fun, even, even though we all love John Marston too. Yeah, and and I think well, it, and uh, what's crazy it was that like I played the the Resident or Resident Evil, not yeah, Red Dead okay. Redemption. I'll just call it RDR two. It's easier. I was playing Metal Gear Solid Revengeance. Yeah. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> RDR two uh, versus RDR. You know, I played the original Red Dead um, as John Marston, and by the end of that game, I absolutely love playing as John Marston. And so it's crazy to have that opposite reaction right. at that point in time with RDR two, where like I went from playing Arthur to playing as John. Having said that, though, by the end of the storytelling of the epilogue, I was full on like having fun playing as John Marston again. There is something that occurs in the epilogue where it goes from being Arthur's world to John's world. And it's crazy. Like, I've been dying to talk to you about this. <laughs> but what I think is was... Also uh, a risky move, but something that I've found myself really appreciating is how when you play as John, you're this like law abiding citizen. You have your family with you. You're trying to stay on the straight and narrow and you're doing these chores and this work. And, and I found myself just almost being kind of bored. Like I'm like, oh man, I got to do these chores again. Yeah. I got to do this stuff. <laughs> I want to go rob a bank. But, but really, like, when you think about it, like, the, like the, so the whole time I'm playing as Arthur, I'm railing against, like, being a, an outlaw or being a, a bad guy. You know, I, I want to I wanna be um, an honorable person. I, wa I want to do the honorable thing. And oftentimes I was like, why can't I just, you know, go do things and, and, and stay within the law and that sort of thing? And it's literally like Rockstar saying, okay, here you go. Yeah, <laughs> Where you, you want to do that? Here you go. And so it's crazy because like, you know, it really helps to to push the pressures that John has on himself where, where he knows he has a checkered past and he has a family, particularly his wife, that's just, I mean, riding him day after day right. after day and how he doesn't want to lose her. He doesn't want to lose his family. He's He knows the sacrifices that have occurred to get him to this point. And so to see that kind of stuff go on and then especially like um, moving forward with how like he starts bumping into some of uh, the, the crew who have also kind of just, you know, they moved on from from the gang days, but they still got their own stuff going on, like bumping into Sadie Adler when she's a bounty hunter or bumping into Charles or having uncle come and <laughs> still drunk. Build. Yeah, still drunk. <laughs> um, I, I just I really enjoyed a lot of that. And especially as it built up to the, the 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 climax, really, of him avenging Arthur's death by going up with Sadie to uh, find Micah. I mean, I don't know about you. I had chills, like, going up there and just, like, picking off these guys in the snow and just manning up, essentially, and going through. And it's almost like like that, that rite of passage where suddenly John Marston is no longer kind of the bumbling sidekick where like all of a sudden it's like, no, this is now John Marston's game. Yeah. I think part of that too was, uh, John growing up in his manhood in a way, because he, like you said, he's battling, trying to be a legal person, you know, live the life of not breaking the rules, not being an outlaw, being a good husband, being a good father. And then when he finally gets his house built and Abigail comes back, he's like, okay, life is great again. But as soon as Sadie says, okay, I found him, 
Mm-hmm. I found him. You told me to come get you when I found him, and I found him. And Abigail is forbidding John to go, and which puts them right back where they were at the ranch, where she's been riding him, and he's trying to just do something that he's good at. And he just basically says, no, we wouldn't be here today if it's not for Arthur. Arthur, you know, we would, we would probably all be dead, quite honestly, if it wasn't for Arthur. And, and of course, I, the music was amazing. Yeah, all throughout. Yeah. And he's like, I have to do this. I have to do this as a man. I have to do this for my brother. You know, I have to do this for us continuing as a family and not having to fear that this is always going to be hanging over our head. Right. And man, when they're walking up that hill and Charles gets shot, I'm like, do not take Charles away from me. <laughs> <laughs> like, do not kill him off. Um, but yeah, you know, walking up there and he's, um, John's yelling out, you know, my God, where are you? Get down. Yeah, I'm man. coming for you. Yeah. But he wasn't like, he wasn't talking like he was supposed to be some badass. He no. was saying it with a bunch of passion. Like he's a lot of conviction all on the line. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was well done. Yeah. No, I, I loved how that whole game came to an end again. I'm very picky when it comes to my, my Western movies. Um, of course, I've, I think I've said it on the program before. Tombstone is like my all-time favorite Western movie. I mean, they, they really nailed what it is that I love about a, a good Western. And with um, RDR, I mean, it's it, it's right up there with Tombstone. I mean, like they their storytelling is so just what I look for in uh, just a, a quality Western story. So... Definitely love that. One of the other things too that I thought was super cool was as you're building the house, I don't know if if you had this reaction or not, but the more that the ranch got built, the more I all of a sudden started getting chills and realizing, oh my gosh, that's my house. That's like, you know, from when I played Red Dead Redemption. Right. And... And over time, all of a sudden, I would see the barn. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's the barn. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, okay, so when you walked into the barn for the first time, did you get goosebumps? Because when I walked inside that barn and I saw those those doors, the barn doors with like the sunlight peeking through the slats, I was yeah. instantly transported back toward the end of Red Dead Redemption when John comes through those doors and gets gunned down by... Uh, all the, what were they called? The Pinkertons. Uh, the Pinkertons, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, it totally brought me right back to that moment. And I love that attention to detail, that level of, of detail right there. I found myself totally appreciating that. And it was crazy because um, a buddy of mine who hasn't played the f- the first Red Dead, he's like, yeah, I don't really understand. Like, like, well, you know, you build your house and you have your barn. And I'm like, no, no, no. And so I explained what I just talked about. And he even like had this huge grin. He's like, oh, wow, that's deep. That's really cool. I'm like, I know. I mean, like, you know, they, they had the... Um, the corn silo that got built too. I mean, like just seeing those things slowly, but surely um, get added to the property. Well, well, it wasn't just that, but when, I mean, yeah, when, when the, when the house was built and they have some crates there and they have the, the railing, you know, and I thought, man, I remember playing the last red dead and hiding behind all that stuff while I was getting shot at. And right. that's why I think an uncle died too at that point. And yeah, I'm getting all these flashbacks coming back to me playing the game. Oh man. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's also contributes to taking ownership of John. 
with that with this whole entire transition. And I don't know how much you've played through the world as John. How much have you played? So not that much. I mean, I went I went south after I beat the game because sure. there was parts of the map that I haven't explored yet down there. And there's a whole another like couple of towns. Oh yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> Uh, so. And what, what you're going to realize is that whole southern area, that was actually the first game. Right. So everything that you have played before you got to John's part is new. Like right. that, all of that is, is all brand new. Like literally the only part that I don't think made it into the game was like when you actually cross the border and you go into Mexico. I'm not sure if that was actually part of like the southern map or not. I know that like in your the first game. No, no, no. In the second, oh, in the, the second game. When you're in that area, like there's like you will reach a certain area, of course, is more toward the southern area where like you, you will see Mexicans and, and you'll interact with them and that sort of thing. But it's not like I don't I don't think there was ever a moment where like I crossed the border and then you're officially into Mexico like you were in Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, it's not like there would be a point to do so because that's not what this game is about. That the story is different. That that's exclusive to the first Red Dead. But still, you really get a sense of scale as to how much TLC went into the world of RDR2. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, at first when I started playing the game, I thought, well, this map is kind of small. I'm going to explore this in no time. But the map is just big enough to where if you don't fast travel, you're like, man, I can take it forever to get there. Right. You know, and it and it's and it's small enough that they can cram a bunch of detail in and where you're going everywhere. And so that you appreciate the distance that it takes to get from point A to point B. Yeah. What are some other highlights uh, from the game that, that, that you just found to be super memorable? Um, let's see. Are just details altogether or are you talking about just, just memorable moments? I don't know. Just just overall. I, I know I've, I've been talking a lot about just some of the, the high points for me, especially toward the chapter six and, and epilogue chapters. Yeah. I Well, one thing that just stood out to me throughout the entire game was the overall beauty of everything. Yeah. And I, it, I, <laughs> there was so much detail on everything, no, regardless of whatever you did, if it was animals or it was shooting or it was light or it was dust or it was weather effects or it was sound from rain to leaves to rocks being kicked to water. Um, as a player, I thought, oh, you know, they didn't include um, how the water would splash this direction, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, why didn't they do that? And it got me thinking of how other games will just put like one sound effect for water, one sound effect for stopping on carpet or wood or stone. Sure. And that's it. But not as if, well, this is one plank of wood that goes all across. Well, this is about eight planks of wood because it's got to hold up a train. Therefore, it's going to sound different here. It's going to, you know, it's going to sound solid here, sound hollow there. <laughs> you know, multiple sound effects for similar surfaces right. sort of deal. But uh, not only that, but birds chirping and insects making their little noises. And, I mean, it just, it drew me in into this world. And it felt like I, not necessarily I was there, but I remember birds flying right outside and then the birds are chirping in the game and I was like, this is everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the immersion factor in this game is pretty pretty much unprecedented. I, I, I think it definitely set the bar for future games in terms of like how gamers are going to expect worlds to be. 
in the future. I, I really do believe, I, I think that there have been other titles like God of War also did a nice job with that, even though that game was way more linear than a game like RDR2. Horizon Zero Dawn was another game that just really made their, their world come alive and made it super immersive. But yeah, I, I just it's crazy to see a game that had been in, I think it was in development for like eight years. And, and the amount of work that has gone into it, of course, they've generated just a ton of cash from the GTA series, and it's allowed them to, to really push out their, their development cycles. But it shows. When, when you go through and you look at the, the, the graphics engine, you see the, the sheer number of animations that are available, the, the sound like what you're talking about, um, the lighting system that, that's in there. Uh, it really, it's just crazy to look at. One of the things that I thought was interesting too about the game was how you have two different camps of gamers where one side really loves how realistic the game is in terms of, you know, you got to make your own coffee, you know, you got to take a bath, you got to take a nap. You got to sleep, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all these different things that, that, that you do that's just kind of like a part of living the life of a cowboy. But then the other camp just really despise that. They, they do not like or were not entertained having to be mindful of those things. And I don't really, I mean, I'm, I'm not here to poo-poo what people think, you know, but I, I can say for me, and I think I speak for, for both of us, when I say that that actually really added to the overall experience of the game where I found myself looking forward to doing those things. And, and I never once thought it was tedious or arduous, anything like that. I, I actually was just like, wow, I'm thankful that they thought to put this level of detail into it simply because it had more of that rugged lifestyle. And I think, again, in our day and age, when everything is so convenient, everything is ready for consumption. Supermarkets, refrigerators, yes. freezers, ovens. Yes. Yep. So everything is super convenient. Um, we have become just almost kind of self-entitled in a way where we just expect these things to be done <laughs> for us or be ready or whatever. And I'm, I'm glad that in a game like RDR2, it helps to reinforce the fact that, hey, life was harder back then. You didn't have all the, all these amenities that you have today, and you really had to to learn certain skill sets in order to survive, especially if you were more in the the Wild West area. So, anyway, I thought it was worth talking about um, for that. But, gosh, it's it's it is so there there are so many things that I, that I could just chew on for a while. So then, let me ask you this, Russ what uh, what would you change about the game? Well, like I said, I think that when it came to being an outlaw, I I would have preferred to have had more control over my decisions because they allowed you to do that when you weren't progressing through the main story. But when you were doing the main story, it's like, okay, now you need to kill these people. Now you need to rob these people. Now you need to you know, do, these, do certain actions. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to do that. And at times they'll give you the option to like, you know, either kill people or let them go. And I appreciated that. But at the same time, I felt like I, I was almost like stripped of my ability to really make decisions Decide that would have consequence. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I have something that that's a, that's a little bit more 
kind of more more of a, a critiquing on, on that side. I, I would like to see that change. But also to your point too, I think when it came to the gang itself, I do think that there could have been more um, engagement from the different gang members. Like you would have certain members who you, they would say, oh, you know, I, I need you to help me with this or I need you to go do this for me or whatever it is. And that's fine. I never had a problem with that. But at the same time, like the only times I really found myself bonding with the characters were like, if I decided I wanted to sit at the campfire and listen to some of their stories. Or like I said earlier, you know, during the second half of the game, when all of a sudden you really started to watch as John Marston and Arthur bonded, you know, Arthur Morgan, like the, they were going out and doing again, these missions that were kind of more, they, they were main story, but they're kind of side story esque in certain scenarios. But I found myself really digging that because then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, like I, I see the camaraderie between these two characters. And I think I would have preferred to have seen that with more of the various members of the gang. Not that that would have to happen with every single one of them, right. because clearly there will be certain characters that cause Arthur to bristle or their you know, personality conflicts or whatever. And that's just a part of everyday life. And that's what makes the game more realistic. If, if he got along with everybody and had bromances with everybody, it's like, eh, that's very one-dimensional. Right. So I think I, I'd prefer to see something like that. But. Yeah, I would have to agree. There was times where I was walking around thinking, where's Sadie Adler? Like, I she's, did she go somewhere? You know, I mean, right. or who was the lady that was, uh, who was uh, Dutch's love interest? I can't remember her name, but I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, she was there and then she wasn't there. And I thought, okay. Well, well she well, left the camp for a while. Well, yeah, but that wasn't until like later on. Yeah. Um, or it, what's the dude's name that uh, was, he was like the first to go. He was the O'Driscoll that uh, turned to the, to your gang. Oh, right. Was his name Kieran? Nah, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Um, I don't know if he was even the first one to go, or was it the Irishman that was the first to go? No, I think it was the O'Driscoll dude who okay. was first. Yeah. Um, anyhow. There's so many characters in the game. I can't remember everybody's name. He, I thought there was going to be something budding with him within the gang too, because the entire time he was with your gang, everyone's going like just to, teasing him like oh you're O'Driscoll you better not turn your back on us we're gonna you know right sort of thing and so the guy wants to be a part of something and doesn't really he's just there as an errand boy he'll move some hay or he'll move some feed sacks or whatever for the horses but he never really goes anywhere and does anything uh and so I was kind of disappointed in that I, I wanted to at the same time, I, I thought I maybe had missed something mm -hmm. because if you're not present for a certain like campfire scenes, you miss whatever that is. Right. And so I was wondering, okay, well, is there a scene with Mary Beth or is, is there a scene with Karen or is there a scene with Tilly? Um, because otherwise you're waiting for certain instances where they just sit Arthur down and speak to him about life and about how things are going and their concerns and whatever, whatnot. But there's never really any one-on-one -on -one time where you really pay attention to how this character came to be, how, why they are the way they are, whatever and whatnot. So I kind of wanted that, that fleshing out in a sense. Yeah. By and large, for me, though, I, I really, I have a hard time finding fault with the game personally. Yeah. So, oh, the game is so good. I um, <clears throat> I would say, I mean, 
a lot of the stuff that I would find fault for is not necessarily terrible. It's more so that I'm just looking for stuff. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, most of the stuff that I found, it's, it's absolutely forgivable. You know, I mean, the weather effects, like, yeah, sometimes like within five seconds it'd be like, yeah, it's like five o'clock in the evening. Oh, now it's two in the morning, you know? <laughs> yeah, at that point, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of like Mafia 3 weather effects in, in a way. It's, it, I think the game itself is so polished. There's so much there that it, it's just on a different level of quality that when you come across something that perhaps is not quite as high, then, I mean, if you're splitting hairs or whatever, right. you're like, oh, look at that. You know, and it's like, eh, it's not really worth, like, I don't know. Did you go back when you were John Marston to visit Arthur's grave? I did. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. But I haven't done it. I was about to do it. What are you, what would you think about the scene towards the end where your horse gets capped <laughs> and Arthur takes a moment instead of running away with John to get a little bit more distance to kind of give his horse a, a farewell? Yeah. No, I, I that was heavy. It, it was very heavy. Because the entire game from start to finish, you're bonding with your horse. A well, horse. And, and I've had a horse die during my game. I remember. And that person paid dearly for killing my horse. But no, I, I, again, everything that um, I, that you come across in the game as Arthur, like, was just it was met with um, a lot of gravity. I mean, there, there was there was a lot of depth to what was going on. Nothing was really glazed over. And I think that whether it's his, his horse dying or it's him contracting TB or it's the falling out that he had with Dutch. I mean, it, that was one of the things that was unfortunate too was like I, I almost kind of mourned the the failed friendship between Dutch and Arthur because right. Arthur was Dutch's right-hand man for so long. I mean, they don't, I think they knew each other for like 20 years or something like that. But I just... I don't know. Like, I think that that also was heart wrenching too. Like, like when um, it's at the end and, and Arthur is dying and he says, I, I gave you my all Dutch. Yeah, I gave you everything, you know, and just hearing that, I mean, like at that point there was no argument as to whether or not he was telling the truth. And you can tell on Dutch's face, like he realized, Oh wow. And he was so wrought with guilt and conflict you know, that's why he just, you know, if, if you had the honorable ending, I mean, he he just kind of staggered away and walked away and that sort of thing. And I think at the end, too, like the like the epilogue ending, um, when he ended up shooting Micah, I think it was at that point, like when he saw John Marston there and how he was talking about how he's not there for Dutch, he's there to avenge Arthur's death with Micah. And he, and he I think at that point he realized just how alone he had become where he, he was up on the top of this snowy mountain with a person that he knew to be a snake that, that basically was responsible for... Breaking up the gang. Bre yeah, yeah, breaking up the gang and everything else. And even though he was up on that mountain with all that money and all that gold, and then that, that was like, that was the goal, right? Was to be filthy rich, but what did it cost him? And, and to see that happen where, like, he shot uh, Micah, which gave you the opportunity to also uh, avenge Arthur's death, and then have Dutch just kind of numbly just walk off and how there wasn't any kind of fight with Dutch or anything like that. And I think it's because it, it is an intensely personal story. Because even though you have outlaws and you have people with complex 
backgrounds and personalities and then you had a lot of flaws with the characters and stuff. I mean, still when you have that level of history with people, it's not so cut and dry. Right. And again, I just, I found myself really appreciating the time that they put into it. Also, even after the, the epilogue finished and um, I'm starting to wrap up more of the, the side quests, there is so much that you're going to just, just love to do through the game that you just could not believe they had taken the time to do. Even with the credits, I loved how they had these kind of slideshow things happening where like, once again, it's acting as a bridge to transition it from RDR two to RDR one. Yeah. And the ones Pinkertons are peeking through the trees and looking at the ranch like, yep, we'll be there one day. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you've played the, the, the previous game, I mean, all of that has significance. Yeah. I went back and I played the credits a few times because I wanted to clean the house. And I was like, what am I going to listen? I want to listen to some music. So I just like cranked up the credit scenes. And I mean, it's, it, music just sounds lovely. Yeah. Do you have any other final thoughts about the oh, I could talk about I could go for days. I know. I know. We, we could definitely talk days. about it for, for a long, long time. I know for me, I'm just, I'm super happy that, that you were able to finish the game out because I wanted to talk about it with you for a long time. And I'm glad that we got to do it just because... I have always been a huge proponent of good storytelling. Yeah. And, and Rock, Rockstar knocked it out of the park. I mean, this was beyond Hollywood, like Hollywood blockbuster level. Yeah, it really was. And it makes me happy too, just because within, the, I would say the last two years, we've had games come out where story takes priority, whether it's Horizon Zero Dawn or it's Spider-Man or God of War or Red Dead Redemption 2, you know, and I think that there was a period of time there where people began to think that, oh, the, the, the single player storytelling kind of thing is dead. And I'm so glad that that's not the case at all, that the single player story experience is very alive and very healthy. And it just re- acts as a reminder of, hey, you know what? Like you can have multiple genres of games coexist together. It's just all about how do you go about it? How can you make it the best it can be? And gamers will they'll praise you for that. Absolutely. I, I thought, wow, since, since I played the Witcher, that game spoiled me with all the other games that just rush out there. Okay. Here's the next, you know, Assassin's Creed. Here's the next call of duty. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And then you have a game that comes out, for example, Forza Horizon three, which is the benchmark for me for all driving games. And I thought, okay, well, what's going to be Forza Horizon three. Cause there's nothing out there. There's, you know, I mean, everything is, is fun, but there's no new staple. And this comes out and I thought, man, here we go again. Like this is like the new standard where it almost makes other games feel cheap Mm. in comparison. When I finished the game, I had some credit left in my little Microsoft account. And I thought I'm going to buy some gold bars and I don't know what I'm going to buy, you know, use them for in the game, but I'm just going to give it to rockstar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud.com. Dot com slash joygasm tv 
Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. And next week, we will probably be streaming Anthem, which I'm looking forward to doing. Mate. We'll see you next week. Bye.